Hi ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Dragon's Cast. I'm Dan Crane. The episode you're about to listen to was recorded on August 1st, 2023. Between the time of that recording and the time of us engineering it, producing it, and posting it out there for you to listen to, a tragic blow is shaking the Drexel community. Bill, Leon, Anthony, and I wanted to recognize that as soon as possible, so rather than waiting for the next episode to drop, we've added this addendum to our podcast. As you all surely know by now, Terrence Butler has passed away, found in his on-campus room. Terrence was a Drexel Engineering student and a Division I basketball player, making the CA Commissioner's Honor Roll, which in and of itself is a hell of a feat. Additionally, when you look around social media, you can see that he was heavily involved in other pursuits on campus, known as a stand-up individual and a great friend. The level of hurt you see on the social media channels is clear. The cause of death has not been released, but given the outpouring of messages talking about mental health from his teammates and other program members... I'll say this, and I'm sure you've heard it everywhere, but I also think it bears repeating. Being a person anywhere right now seems quite hard. And study after study shows us that it's hardest on those people who are growing up right now. Social media, as useful as it is and as helpful as it can be, especially in times like these, is not real life. It's way too easy to see somebody smile and face and assume all is well. But the socials don't, almost ever, tell you how someone is really doing. That takes being there, in person, talking and listening. Really, really listening. And that's not always timely or easy or convenient for us, but it is important. Spend time with the ones you love, even when it's hard. And if you know someone who is struggling and you really care, get there, be there, but find them the professional assistance that can really help. Not every loss is preventable. I didn't know Terrence. I maybe said hello to him once but I know that he wanted to be a dragon. I know that he wanted to be a dragon. He wanted to be in Philadelphia on that campus. He was one of us. And on behalf of all of us on this podcast, I want to express to his family, friends, classmates, and teammates our deepest condolences. The Drexel men's basketball team was one of only five teams in the country to see no one transfer out this season, which shows the tight-knit culture that has been building here at Drexel. This group of young men and their staff has now taken two devastating, unnecessary losses in less than a year. Lamont Butts and Terrence Butler, you're remembered, you're appreciated for everything you've given to our community, and you'll continue to be remembered for years to come. Thank you so much for everything you've given us. And to those who've had to live through seeing two lives cut way too short, we stand with you, we care about you. We don't care just about the jersey on your back, we care about you. And we wish you the comfort at this time. Thank you for listening. Here is this week's podcast with special guest, Polly Lascalzo. Welcome to Dragon's Cast, a podcast brought to you by Dakpack alums. With me today, I have Bill. Hey, guys. Anthony. How's everybody doing? And we have a special guest today, Polly Lascalzo. Is, is, is that? Yep. Yeah, all right. There you go. Hey, Polly. Welcome to the podcast, man. Hi, thanks for having me. We we're having you on because you've been writing some amazing articles uh, over at the Triangle. It's been—I don't think I visited the Triangle website this many times, and since uh, since graduating, I think I can say I can consistently at least. So, your articles have been a pleasure to read. But before we get into that, I think I, we wanted to kind of introduce uh, yourself a little bit, give us a little bit of background. How did you end up at Drexel, and you know, how did you get into kind of the whole journalism gig? Yeah, so uh, I'm Paulie. I'm from Long Island, New York. Uh, I'm a second year at Drexel. 
uh, legal studies, sports business major. So um, how did I end up at Drexel? It's kind of actually basketball related. I was between Drexel and Seton Hall uh, in 2021. Obviously, that was the year Drexel made uh, March Madness. But kind of how I was dictating where I was going to go was who went further in the uh, there was conference tournaments between Seton Hall and Drexel. And I can't say I knew anything really about Drexel basketball before that year, but then like they obviously ended up winning the conference. Seton Hall flamed out, and I was like, all right, guess that's where I'm headed. So little did I know kind of the past performances of both of those schools, but that's how I ended up here at Drexel. Um, and then got here – Triangle was kind of making its comeback uh, as I was a freshman. Really came back kind of in force uh, last spring when I was a freshman um, and kind of didn't think too much of it. I'd never been into journalism or anything like that. Never done anything with paper before. Um, but then uh, I was back home on Long Island for the summer. I was working a landscaping job and I needed something to listen to all day. So like... Went, I'm a big podcast guy. I went through a billion podcasts. Then I was like, all right, like Drexel basketball. I'm trying to figure out like any podcasts going on with that. Because I had gotten pretty into watching the team and everything throughout my freshman year. Um, and so found, of course, Dragon's Cast podcast. Started listening a lot, got into it. And I was like, I just would like some more Drexel basketball media out there. And so when fall term came around, I was like, all right, I want to, I guess, be that, like, kind of fill that gap a little bit uh, to the extent that I could. Uh, so applied for the triangle, joined in on the uh, sports section. Uh, we had a great editor at the time, shout for Sham. Um, but then uh, as the year went on, I became editor with uh, another co-editor, Tori, and uh, now we're here. Oh, man, that just shows, like, Direct Drexel basketball success leading to admissions. <laughs> we didn't even go that far. Just just making yeah. the tournament, and we got we got one right on the hook. Nice. That's that's a great a great story, Paul. There were several things, several things you said there, Paulie, that just like warmed my heart. Yeah. Like I just like yeah, it, that picking your school based on success of the basketball team. Who would have ever suspected? Certainly none of us. Um, and and just like you know finding our you know this podcast which is great and um you know yeah it's just a great story it was i was smiling throughout everything you said yeah and I, then i did like a half second of research also and uh when i was looking at drexel and cam winter from long island too so i was like all right like long island ties successful basketball team thought it was all gonna be great and you didn't put in a notice to transfer after watching us get drubbed up there <laughs> no. uh, back in December. I guess Yame Butler, uh, you know, convinced you to stay in that game. Yeah. No, I remember watching that game. I was home. I was watching that game. And uh, he was the only only good thing from that entire game. National TV watching us uh, get embarrassed. Yeah, I was in like row two watching us get embarrassed. I wasn't too happy about that either. And it only took us another two months to see him in action, so it was good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you want to go into like the comeback of the triangle, like how much were I, I don't know if you were involved in that, or if you just know the story about it, or what kind of went on there. Yeah, so I wasn't really involved at that point. I kind of 
I guess if you want to call it like the resurgence, uh, then I was right after that. So really it was, uh, just like a very small group. Kira Santos, she just graduated. She was a senior, uh, Casey Ruka, who's the editor in chief right now. And then a bunch of, uh, other editors who kind of started school before COVID and knew what like the triangle was supposed to function as before COVID happened and then them trying to restore it in the post COVID era. So then, um, yeah, I kind of hopped on once we were really trying to kick things off. And so I've seen, uh, some of the, you know, success and failures that we've gone through lately, but mostly just been a lot more success and I did not do any of the hard work that, uh, all the older people than me did. So. Um, in terms of like the articles that you're writing, are you are you driving those yourself? Is there any other input from anyone else? Like, I, I just think the topics that you're covering specifically with the NIL is you know very very important. Uh, so, how is that kind of being driven? Yeah. So, me and uh, my co-editor Tori, we kind of made the decision when we took over as editor um, that or editors that we wanted to make it really. Drexel focused and Philly focused because we do kind of have that niche here. No one else is really writing too much about it. Um, and so just kind of having the opportunity to be the closest ones to Drexel sports and being able to cover it. Uh, so that's kind of what we wanted to do when we took over as editors. Um, and so all the topics are coming from Tori and I, uh, and also I will say the NIL article in particular, we had a freshman writer that was like her second story she ever wrote, Janine Jin. She did all like the research, all the like real life work for that. So like we've had uh, a great, you know, influx of uh, people joining the triangle and they've like come on and been trying to write and ask questions and figure out what we don't like about how the school is running, what we do like about how the school is running and writing about that. And I think it's really important, you know, the stuff that you guys are doing, you know, and just like kind of the revival of the triangle. I mean, just if you kind of look more nationally over the last month, uh, you know, it was the student newspaper at Northwestern that kind of really got the ball rolling for everything that's been going on with that program. Hopefully you're never writing anything like that about Drexel, obviously, but um, you know, that situation was like a, okay, we're going to suspend our coach for two weeks in the off season and just brush this under the rug situation. And then, you know, the aggrieved party went to the, the student newspaper, it got picked up. And now it's one of the, it was one of the biggest stories in sports in the, you know, the last month. So, um, you know, there's a lot of power with, uh, you know, student newspaper. So it's, it's, it's great that it's, you know, coming back, you guys are kind of cutting edge writing about, you know, important topics um, and not a lot, not afraid to, you know, push the envelope a little bit either. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great when we uh, put out a publication and seeing all like the feedback we get, seeing like the people who do read it, we get a lot of emails from Drexel admin after we put out articles about like, you know, responding to what we write. So it's always cool to see, you know, people reading your reading your stuff that you put in the work to put out. And uh, we definitely do spend a lot of time uh, trying to make a good paper here. How, how receptive is uh, like the coaching staff and other uh, people on staff that you guys need to be ac- accessing for these, like specifically for like the recruiting article you just put out and the NIL one? Uh, anything? Yeah, I would say 
they've been like great. Like Coach Spiker and Coach Mallon have been like nothing but like so like generous with their time and availability to me, uh, especially right now I'm on co-op. So like navigating the fact that I'm working nine to five and they don't necessarily want to do interviews outside of, you know, the time that they're really working, but the, that they do accommodate me. And every time I email trying to get an interview, I've never been told no. Like they're always like down to do an interview as soon as they can. Uh, I remember coach Mound for the recruiting article actually was like driving her kids to and from camp. And like, she made the time to talk to me. So like they've both been really great as far as uh, making the time for me and just being very open and willing to help us out. This is a little unrelated, but I kind of just thought that popped in my head. I think you said your legal studies, sports business, Mm -hmm. um, has your, you know, dabbling in this journalism world, has that kind of planted seeds in your head that you may want to even go this route in your future? Or is this kind of just like a, a good hobby that, you know, you are really enjoying for the moment? Yeah. I mean, right now it's just something that I'm really enjoying, like having a lot of fun doing. I've never like thought of myself as wanting to really do journalism or anything like that, but I'm doing it and I'm having a lot of fun. So kind of that's where the wind takes me and that's the direction that things start heading, then like, I would love it. I'm, I like, I think it's a blast. And especially right now where I get to write about whatever I want. And like, I'm very passionate about Drexel sports, Drexel basketball, and, you know, being able to write about it and like have as much access as I kind of been able to have has been awesome. So if that's the direction I continue going, I don't know, but uh, I also really love my like classes I've taken. So I just find it interesting. We our last podcast we had Mike Jensen on, and yeah. his story was eerily similar. He was talking about how he was going to go legal, and then ended up kind of veering off, and ended up in journalism for the last thirty thirty five years. But not to say that's where you're going to go, but it's just kind of funny. Yeah. yeah, that was a, that was a very good episode. Say hey, one of the things that always struck me, uh, and one of the reasons we even did the podcast is the amount of access you have in a program like the Drexel program, right? Like the coach. Uh, the staff, ex- extended staff, you know, are always willing to make time for you. So I, you know, I'm always surprised when we didn't have more, inf- like things around it where you could get information other than directly. So in you know, having the triangle and the articles that you guys are writing right now, it's 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 so welcome to to the to the almost the ecosystem of having all this content that we have around Drexel basketball to get more people excited because it's hard otherwise to even know what's going on sometimes and you're a student and you're like co-oping to your point and doing things so just having this kind of stuff out there you had to probably go digging to find our our podcast over here so I'd imagine you know it, it, you'd, you'd have to be really into it to get passionate so when it's something that's so present in the at Drexel, like the triangle, I'm hoping, you know, it drives more fans too. That's mm-hmm. you know, to the, to the, to the game. So. Yeah, definitely trying to, trying to help facilitate that. I mean, to, to that point, Leon, I was kind of going in this direction anyway. Like, how do you feel Drexel basketball is looking on campus these days? Like as a current student, is, is, is there an excitement there? Are people talking about it? Is there still a general apathy? Like uh, at some points that we've seen uh, over the years, just kind of want to get yeah, so there. I would say like the so I came in my first year was uh, like 
Maisha's first year and Greg's first year. So like seeing kind of the mostly whole new administration, like I didn't know anything prior to that. Um, so just seeing all the work that they've been putting in and uh, I'm also in the DAC pack um, on the e-board there. So having a lot of meetings with athletics you know, through that, like it's been great to see all the work that they've been putting in kind of to bring basketball more to the forefront. And I would say from like my perspective between my first year and my second year, like it was a world of difference and maybe like COVID has something to do with it. I don't know, but I remember going to basketball games and just being like, this is the most depressing thing ever. Like there's like 15 people here and it's quiet and like, it could be a great game, but like it's hard to get into it or like even know it's a great game because it's like, who's here and who's really caring. Um, and then coming this year where even just some like regular old games, I felt like we got a great turnout with like a pretty lively uh, crowd and, you know, seeing that difference was awesome to me. Uh, you know, the Charleston game, the Penn game, like all, all of those games just really stand out to me as getting the campus very energized around the team. So I would say, especially with the newer classes coming in, like I would say my class and the freshman class right now, like there is a lot more excitement as opposed to, I would say the older, older classes who maybe are more accustomed to being apathetic or more disillusioned and kind of went through COVID where basketball wasn't really any factor. So I'd say it's definitely like rising in prominence. I mean, that, that's good to hear. I mean, I do think that the new regime coming in has helped things. Um, they've been definitely tr- trying in, in a lot of circumstances to make things better, make it a bigger thing on campus. So I think that's definitely uh, an improvement from what we saw previously. I mean, over the years, we've seen a lot of ups and downs attendance-wise. I mean, when we first started this thing, like, we're old. How, how, how long ago is this, Leon? 20 years or something? Like, uh, a long time. It's it's over 20 years, I think. Yeah. Um, it was like what you're describing, like, pre-COVID. I mean, this is, COVID's not even around 20 years ago. There's 15 people in the building, you know, 50 people in the building, maybe. It's it's barely anything. And then we saw it maybe in, what, what Anthony, like, 2000. 12 like the years where we were really good and that building was packed and it was probably one of the best places you're ever going to watch a game i mean it's just it's small you're not going to get that anywhere else the players are engaging the fans like you're just right on top of the action it's a really fun place to watch a game and i hope we can you know continue to grow it and get that atmosphere in there And i think if you do you'll you'll bring more students in yeah i mean the charleston game was like the best game I've ever been to live any sport like ever. It was just like amazing how loud it was. Of course, winning helps a lot, but like it was just awesome. So I wanted to circle back to that NIL uh, article for a minute. Now you sat down with both of the coaches, right? Um, So not for that article. I I didn't write that article myself. Um, and the coaches were not interviewed for that one, but, uh, yeah, that was another writer, Janine Jin. Okay. Sorry. I, I meant the one, the one that was m- more recently published last week. Yes. There were, I sat down both coaches for that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess NIL was talked about in the article, so it, it wasn't about NIL exclusively, but it was kind of talked about, you know, when you, did you sit down with them individually? Yeah, I, I did a phone call with both of them. Okay. Did you notice or, or get any type of glimpse or, or feel 
from either of them about kind of their um, impression or, or their demeanor towards NIL? Like when you brought it up, was it kind of a, you know, did you feel them like kind of almost like a, like a sigh type of deal where they feel like where you could kind of glean what they're thinking or what their inner thoughts are, you know, regardless of what they answer, just because, you know, coaches are experts in coach speak. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But you, were you able to kind of like read between the lines at all in terms of, you know, their expressions or how they spoke to you or how they responded to questions about what their inner thoughts were that maybe they have to hold back a little bit? I would say that they're both pretty, worried about like the environment of college sports right now like the fact that every single you know day almost there's different initiatives coming out different you know things with nil different rulings that every state's coming up with different laws like there's a lot in flux so i think there's a lot of fear to kind of be caught on the wrong side of it um but i will say also at the same time like both of them are pretty like honest about the fact that we're a mid-major program and if we're going to be good, then we have to be recruiting players who are capable of playing at a higher level. Like you want them to be as good as possible for this level. And then the issue comes that if a player stands out here, there's always going to be an offer to go somewhere higher where maybe they're not a star or anything like that, but you know, there's going to be a tantalizing NIL offer somewhere else, or someone's going to dangle a carrot at a, a better or a higher major school with maybe more money. And that will be the incentive to, for players to leave rather than if a player has any gripe with our program. So like the coaches are very proud of the program and the culture that we have here, but there's, I guess, always going to be a point where culture can be outweighed by money and there's not always something you can do to avoid that. Yeah. And I I think no matter what we do with NIL, you're, you're not going to be able to compete with some schools. It's just not going to be possible, but I think you got to be able to compete with schools in your own conference. Um, You have to be able to compete with, you know, maybe the lower tier um, bigger schools. I mean, like you see like someone like Aaron Estrada, I've heard some absurd dollar figures there where he pretty much had to go. I mean, we're in like six figures for sure. Um, so I don't expect us to compete with that, but more like someone like a TJ Bickerstaff. I'm not sure how much he got to go to Boston college, but I, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't in the six figure range. So I think we need to get something in, in line with, with that. Uh, I know Charleston is already doing this. Um, they're poaching people from within the conference. They picked up Frankie Polisi, right, Who's, uh, who was on Stony Brook last year, and he's going to be playing for them. So, you know, that's where we have to be. Uh, hopefully we figure out a solution. Yeah, and I think that the administration kind of recognizes that too and think that they're working towards getting in, uh, in that direction maybe a lot slower than, uh, I guess, me personally would like to see like I'm I'm like come on we're falling behind but you know I think everyone kind of knows that uh that's the direction that we're gonna have to go at some point and and somehow amazingly we still didn't lose anybody this year so yeah I I don't even know how that's possible I don't know if that'll ever happen again uh but it's yeah I mean when I talked to Spiker about that he was 
he wasn't as really surprised as I was. I kind of framed the question like, uh, isn't that crazy kind of way? And he was like, no, like uh, he pointed out, like we've only lost two people to the transfer portal in the past three years. So, you know, the whole time that kind of it's been an, op- an option for the players, he hasn't really lost anyone. Um, certainly not anyone that's, you know, going to break down the team or the core of the team as of right now. Um, and so he was pretty like proud of that. And just that maybe like, I guess it wasn't as much of a surprise to him as it was to everyone else. I mean, he knows the relationship with the players too, better than any of us. So, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a win. I just, with so much money flying around, it's hard to, hard to fathom that if you have a guy who's really good, you're going to be able to keep some kind of crazy sales pitch. I don't know what sales pitch would beat, you know, six figures going somewhere else, but, but anyway, yeah, um, I, I don't know. I think we can probably. You guys want to jump into the updated rosters over here now that we're talking, kind of talking about, uh, you know, bringing everybody back. The team put out the rosters. I don't think there was anything crazy on either side, um, but we definitely saw Terrence Butler is no longer on the roster, even though he seems to be still uh, with the team. I think that was pretty much the only one on the men's side uh, that I saw. Did anyone else see anything on, on that one? It could be a pretty set roster otherwise from last year. Yeah, no real surprises on the on the men's side. Yeah, the women's side, there was more shakeup. I don't know, if Anthony, if you want to take us through anything on there. The only thing that really threw me was that we had a player who I didn't know committed. But go ahead, if you want to you touch on that at all. Um, sure. I mean, you know, I uh, – I don't feel like I get too deep into you know the the, the rising freshmen as much. I kind of learn them as I see them, uh, you know, in season and stuff. But definitely, um, you know, we have a couple transfers. Um, one from Villanova, who I'm fairly certain was a starter on that team that I think went as far as the Sweet Sixteen. I think uh, last year. Um, seemed to be just based on looking at her numbers. Um, either like point guard slash glue player. Um, you know, obviously Maddie Segrist um, did the lion's share of scoring for that team. But, um, you know, if you're starting on a sweet 16 caliber team that was ranked all last year, you got to be doing something right. Uh, so, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, that's, that's a big addition. I know that uh, there's been a lot of buzz about Lane McGurk, who's an incoming freshman uh I mean, listed as a guard, she's 5'10", which is fairly tall on the taller side for guards at our level. Um, so that's, uh, you know, we definitely need the scoring. Uh, we, we have some players coming back, but uh, lost a lot of scoring from last year. So uh, any any scoring will be certainly big. Yeah, we're definitely going to need a lot there. I mean, I, I took a stab at the women's depth chart too and it's just there's so many new faces difficult and finding out where your scoring is going to um, I think I had Grace is starting at the, at the point guard position one of the only no, no brainers on the on the uh, on the roster I had Lane at the two you know Brooke Mullen at the three Chloe at the four and Head at the five any, any thoughts on that <laughs> any discrepancies I mean that would probably be my first guess um, you know uh, I feel like the the three, four, five spots are kind of 
I, I'm not sure that all three of them are going to be spread out that much. I, I feel like at least last year they, they were playing a lot of those three in the four five area, um, you know, and kind of subbing them, mixing them in and out. Chloe would come off the bench, Hedda would start. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it could be a situation where they just kind of need the, uh, the experience in the starting five. So they, they kind of, you know, rotate a little bit and have players play maybe in their minds slightly out of position. I, I, I don't know, but you know, I certainly trust the coaching staff. Speaking of the coaching staff, um, they would be able to put together quite the squad themselves <laughs> on the court. Uh, Hannah Nihill is back uh, in, in an assistant role, coordinator of strategic and player development. Uh, Tessa Brugler and, and Kayla Bacon, I think, both got um, promotions. Uh, Tessa's director of basketball operations and scouting. Kayla has been a, elevated to assistant women's basketball coach. Um, so, yeah, I mean uh, – in, in our recent past, we have some uh, some pretty good players on uh, on the sidelines. Yeah, it's great to bring it up, Anthony. I, I saw that. Um, and, you know, it's <laughs> a lot of familiar faces too. Changes, but uh, a lot of familiarity there. I'd like to keep it in the family on the women's side, especially. You know, can't argue with results. I mean, from the, from the women's roster too. That Claire Bergeron, I think her name is. Uh, she's six two. I didn't I hadn't heard about that really prior. Um, but that's some decent size, especially for us. Um, uh, I'm not sure how she'll play in. I know we already have, you know, a couple more experienced players ahead of her. Um, but it's good to at least have some size back there to add some depth. Yeah. When I was talking to Amy, she mentioned Lane and Amaris Baker. I think she really likes Amaris. I think she's probably going to play a lot. Uh, was for looking for scoring. I think that's where they think a lot of it's going to come from. But um, Clara Bergeron, she mentioned just like very tall and will <laughs> add a lot of like I think defense and she can score a little bit in the post is what kind of Amy told me about her so nice I, I think uh Amaris Baker too she was like the was she the leading scorer at the Juco level she was at I believe yep hopefully that that translates over because Anthony said there's just a there's a lot we need a lot of scoring from just from losing uh Kishana alone leaves a huge hole um for on the women's side she averaged 27 a game, uh, 919 points. I mean, obviously different level, but, um, you know, also averaged six and a half rebounds a game as a five foot eight guard. So, um, and she had, she had division one experience prior too. she had started her career at Kennesaw state, uh, down in Georgia. So, uh, they, I mean, maybe lower level, uh, one of the lower conferences, even below ours, uh, Kennesaw state, but, uh, still D one, um, Originally, I think if you get anywhere even near half that production, you'd be you'd be pretty happy with it. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, a lot of changes for the women's team, but again, confidence in the coaching staff. I think just makes you think they're going to be competing no matter what. See how it plays out. On the men's side, it's it's kind of funny. It's almost like you know, there's not much speculating that you have to do because the team is so veteran and everybody's basically back. Um, you know, we have Shane Blakeney who was you know, not available last year. And, you know, we have the new addition, Lucas Monroe from Penn. Um, but beyond that, it's kind of like, you know, everybody. And, you know, I don't know. For me, I just feel more excitement for the men's season than I've had in a while. 
partially, I think, because I just know more about the guys. I feel like there's been a last couple of years here where I'm like, we lost so many players. I don't know. A lot of there's a lot of new faces. I don't really know how everybody's going to fit together, gel. And this year, it's almost kind of like you're excited because you think that they're, they're going to be good. Um, it also partially scares me, though, the burden of expectations. <laughs> so I kind of go back and forth on that. Yeah, as long as we stay healthy, right? If, as long as we stay healthy, Yame plays more minutes than he did last year. I think uh, we might be we should be able to string together. But there are, to your point, high expectations going in. Uh, so it'll be a good test for 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 the coaching staff, for the new administration, all that. The crazy thing about it is, I don't know if there's a guy that gets in the game that you're really upset about, like on the entire roster. Um, you know, there's players who are better than other players, but like you could almost you could almost go 13 deep. I mean, any of these guys could play. Uh, it's and you're not you know overly upset about it. And figuring out the lineups is going to be almost difficult, I think, uh, for Spiker at this point. Like, I mean, I have I got Justin Moore at the point. I think that's pretty much locked in. Amari at the five, obviously locked in. Preseason player of the year. Preseason player of the year. Pre, you know, he'll probably be defensive player of the year again. Uh, you got Lamar Odin for sure. I think he, I don't, I can't see him not playing unless you really feel strongly about maybe playing Lucas Monroe over him. Uh, and the other ones you got, you got, you know, house Butler, Oak Rose and Blakeney. And I forget about Jamie Bergen. too. I mean, Bergen's will probably back up, um, Justin Moore and, and play some two as well, but it's just so many options. Um, who do you guys think would start this year? Uh, if you had a, had to go with your own starting personal starting lineups, or who would be the best starting lineup you think would we could put out there? If we can go around. How about Pauly? Go ahead. Sure. So well, I think just looking at the depth chart you put out, the only thing I would really change is I think Horace Simmons is going to play like a ton more. I think Spiker, when I talked about him, like he he loves him. I think like he said he's been routinely one of the best players in practice, and I think. From my perspective, he's a guy who had offer. I think he had an offer from Marquette at one point. Obviously, he had a kind of weird recruiting roller coaster of you know teams being interested in him, but very very good player. So I think the fact that he's here right now, you, you're gonna you're not gonna want to keep him on the bench, and you're gonna want to let him play and keep him happy. I guess to that extent too. So I think he's gonna play. I wouldn't be surprised if he's, you know, starting at some point. Um, but then again, yeah, Justin Moore, uh, I guess Luke House, Yame, Lamar, and Mari feels right. But I think at some point Luke's probably going to lose some minutes. I would have to think, even though I don't like exactly Spiker's kind of guy, but I think at some point he's probably going to, probably come off the bench is what I would think. He should be coming off the bench, but go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Anthony. That, that, that's like, that's a breaking news update right there by Pauly. Uh, I don't think any of us have really been thinking that Horace was going to be, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, we got starting. I mean, <laughs> I, like I, playing much. I like Horace Simmons. If he's, if he's good enough to even come close to starting, or even if he's commanding significant minutes, we're going to be in really good shape. I mean, there's, there's so many guys that if he's beating out all these experienced players, that that puts us in real a really good spot. 
I don't know if he's got a start or anything, but uh, like just the way that like Spiker talked about him and just like, I, in my opinion, you know, you got to let him play if he's highly touted and, you know, if he's, if he's good enough, you, they got to let him play, even though it is tough with all the veteran people, it's hard to leapfrog them. And I kind of did talk to Spiker about that a little bit and, you know, I think it's hard, but if he's, good enough and i think they do think he's good enough he's gonna play a lot all right i think i don't know if that's what spiker had trouble with with yame too like at one point we're all like well, what what's going on here why is this why is this guy not playing every every time he comes in he was in seton hall for like 10 minutes and scored 10 points like it was like it's instantaneous every time he comes in he's scoring um so i know that is hard at times and you have these vets who are out there for a long time but i think you have to play the best player i mean i know i have i have luke house in my depth chart but i that wouldn't be my ideal starting lineup. But go, go ahead, go ahead, Anthony. Before I give my starting five, I, I wanted to pose a question to Paulie, just because we went through it on a prior podcast. But who would you pick as the captain of the team this year? Um, not necessarily who you want, maybe who you think, or who you want too. I mean, you, you could give us both if you want. Um, I mean, I, I would probably lean towards Justin Moore. Just he does seem to be uh the obviously Amari is gonna be the best player, but Justin's probably gonna be the most important player as far as second option and you know last year especially when you saw if he was playing well, he would take over games. Like it was something great to watch like Charleston again, like that game he really him and Amari, two people took over the game from an awesome team. So, and I think just, you know, Philly guy, I think that kind of helps got a little bit of like a standing to him. I would, I would lean towards him. Yeah. I mean, if he can, you know, take everybody is hoping that he takes like a sophomore leap on the court. Uh, but certainly if he could take like a next step as like a locker room vocal leader, that would be good too. I mean, you know, when your point guard is kind of your, emotional leader i feel like that you know some of the best teams that that's kind of the way they're structured so uh that would be cool and i think he has the demeanor he he, he has the personality to be able to to do that uh i mean i'm not saying it's necessarily this year but i, I do think that you know he's a guy that could be kind of like heartbeat of the team type of thing but as far as my starting five i would go justin at the point um of course amari at the five uh I would do Yame at, 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 at the two, um, I guess, slash three, depending on how you want to do it. Um, probably Lamar uh, at the four. And then the three is tough. I mean, you know, there's Mate. There's there's Luke. There's, you know, a couple different guys that are veteran. I mean, you know, Mate's a guy that, you know, if you ever – becomes more assertive and, and can shoot the three maybe. But uh, I mean, I would say probably Luke between the two of them, just because I think he might be a little bit more of, uh, of, uh, of the coach's guy. Um, but certainly uh, I think that that might be where we start, but I don't necessarily know that that's where we're going to finish. Um, you know, if a guy like Blakely, uh, Blakeney, uh, if a guy like to your point, Paulie Horace Simmons, you know, steps into that role, I'd applaud it. Um, and, and I think it means we're in great, we're in great shape. But what do you think, Leon? Yeah, I, it's it's hard to actually change the roster you picked there because 
going in a, I think Okro has played so much better coming off the bench that I don't think I want him starting. Uh, so Luke House also has that that hustle mentality that you kind of want in as you begin a game too. So I think with uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know what the update on Blakeney is. I'm hope, hoping he's coming in fully healthy this year, and uh, you know he's been having good practices. But uh, I think I think that's the only thing maybe I can see. But I doubt that the first game of the year I'd see anything other than Luke House in that position. And every I feel like every other position that you mentioned, uh, I, I can't I can't argue with it, right? Lamar is going to Lamar Odin's going to start, and he and Yami's got to start, and the other two are like, come on, shoe ins. Uh, Justin, you're not not playing Justin and Lamar. Mari Williams every game or starting them every game. So uh, nothing exciting, unfortunately. But uh, I'm hoping, and like we said, I think that's the that is the spot on the team on the starting roster that I think you have the opportunity if you're one of these other players to really fight for and kind of change, you know, get in there. So, but I, have you heard anything about uh, Blakeney's progress, uh, Polly? Or yeah, he's good. Bill, you got a different roster. Or you you're gonna. I mean, I would. I mean, I had the roster I had, except I, I did have Blakeney starting originally, and then you know after thinking about, it, he was coming off of injury. You know, talking with a couple of people, it seemed yeah. like you know maybe he won't be ready to go. I think if we want to hit, you know, the the higher ceiling, Luke shouldn't be starting at some point. Um, for me, that's probably Blakeney, but it it could be somebody else too. Like maybe it is Horace Simmons. I don't know. It could be someone, but. Uh, Luke should be coming off the bench. Oprah should be coming off the bench. More effective coming off of there anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's just so many. There's so many lineup options that Spiker has. Um, the depth is just—it's crazy. It's probably the deepest team we've ever had. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what type of lineups he he changes up. Um, you know, based on you know, different teams we play or however he wants to handle it. He just has a lot of options. It'll be a should be a fun year. Uh, hopefully we can match the expectations. Uh, Do we want to touch on the schedule? The schedule is pretty much complete at this point. I think we, we don't have the dates and times yet, but I think every all the opponents are are laid out. Um, I know I think one of the most recent additions was Bryant, um, which I believe we're going up there to Rhode Island for that game right before the, hol- the Christmas holiday. They come back the following year. Um trying to find the kind of the, the working list of all the of all the games some of them are escaping me I know you know we have the Bob Hugginless West Virginia Mountaineers um, I'm saving the the big five for last year but but the, the West Virginia one is the one that I think we really need to I mean besides the big five ones the West Virginia game is one we have to go out there and if we really want to be serious about being really good this year we have to show up in that one I mean you don't get a lot of chances to take down bigger opponents. Um, and I think they lost some people after Huggins left too, right? So, um, you know, that's they did. not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination, but that'll kind of show us, you know, where we're at. Uh, you know, we have a experienced team, a lot of expectations. You go play that game, you know, do we play like we did against Seton Hall? Uh, or do we, you know, come out and take it to the wire? Or do we just beat them? I mean, I think that's kind of going to get the excitement level in, in different ways, depending on how that game uh, comes out. And then, like you said, you got the big five games. I mean, that's always going to um, get people excited. I mean, Temple's coming to the building, right? I think we're going to LaSalle. Um, and then you're playing the other game at, uh, at Wells Fargo, right? Whatever. Yeah, we, and we have dates for those games, at least. I mean, we're going to LaSalle on November the 6th, which, you know, 
based on the calendar, that's got to be the first game of the year, probably for both teams. Um, that, that, that's pretty early. Uh, and then like a week later, Temple comes to the DAC. I think Drexel put up something that actually said it. It's the first time since 1985. Um, you know, raise your hand if you were alive the last time that happened. No. <laughs> Sorry, Bill and Leon. Sorry, guys. Paulie, we're the young guys. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, I feel like for me, when I was a student, my five years, we didn't even play Temple once the entire time I was a student there, if, if, if I'm, if memory serves. So, uh, you know, it was nice to kind of get them back, uh, just on the schedule generally, but now to have them actually come to our place and, you know, it's not like a quote unquote home game at the Palestra. I mean, that's just awesome to me. I, I think it's, I think it's great. Uh, and you know, the, the Wells Fargo thing, you know, we, we've talked about it on the podcast before. We'll see how the experiment goes, whether everybody is happy with it and whatever, if Wells Fargo is happy, if all the other city teams are happy with it. But, you know, just as a day, I feel like it's kind of exciting. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of pumped for it. Um, it should just be a good day of basketball at like a, you know, decent time of the year. Everybody should be back on campus from Thanksgiving, you know, maybe still early enough that it's not like people are going to be like rushing into finals right away uh, or leading into finals week, depending on when finals week is this year. But um, you know, that hopefully should be conducive to turnouts early in December, as opposed to middle of December or late when everybody's home. And I, and I think we've talked about this in the podcast before, I believe, I mean, we, this is the year that we, that we have to, we have to get to that championship game at least. Right. Like, I mean, we should beat LaSalle. Uh, Temple's got a new coaching staff, uh, a lot of turnover there. We're returning everybody, uh, plus Lucas Monroe, basically, and Horace Simmons. So you're, you're getting even even more uh, people ready to play, you know, another year under your belt. So, I mean, hopefully find yourself against Villanova on that on that final day, and you're, you're getting – hopefully getting a the crowd there. I mean, that, if you can't get excited about that at that point. Fans there, but like I said, we have to be in that position. If, if anything other than that, I think is a, is disappointing from – from that uh, little stretch of game. And just for the student turnout, uh, I mean, general attendance, obviously, but for student turnout too, if we get a win against LaSalle, beat Temple at home, and then say we play Villanova and have like a, a good competitive showing, even in defeat, I think that would go a long way to making, uh, you know, significant strides for turnout as we get into conference season. I mean, it's the, the one thing about college basketball that I always kind of, you know, uh, lament is, is just that like you get all geeked up and, you know, the season's going and then conference play starts and everybody's home um, or, or just barely coming back. And then, you know, it's always kind of a, almost like a little bit of a downer. It's just like, you just had this out of conference schedule and now it's like ready for conference play. This is the stuff that like, you know, really, really matters especially when you're mid-major and, you know, you're not necessarily automatically assumed to be making the the NCAA tournament. And it's just like, and hopefully the students will be back by Martin Luther King Day. And at that point, you've already played four or five conference games. Um, But, you know, if we do well in this new tournament, maybe that'll convince a couple people to stick on campus in a couple extra days to watch a game or come back from Christmas break a little bit early uh, for some games. And to that same point, I think, though, like, 
getting people to the Wachovia Center. Are we going to bust the deck back over there? Like how <laughs> people just have no money for that, Bill. Uh, there's got to no be money. It's got to be money. It has to be. Subway uh, tickets are expensive. Whatever it takes. Uh, if we do make that championship game, uh, Drexel should be making that happen. Whatever it takes to get as many students over there as humanly possible. Because that'll, that'll be important to your point, Anthony, building attendance for the rest of the season. Like get people in there, get excited, make that atmosphere. Even if it's, even if you don't win and you, you take it to the wire or, you know, as long as you pack that, get that building so that it's at least, I don't know, it's packed, but at least if you get the students in there um, and, and make it a good game atmosphere, I think that's something you can, you can build on. Yeah. Especially because Villanova, I don't think they're going to be going 500 again next year. You know, last year was, I think a, a down year from them. Coaching change. Uh, Cam Whitmore was hurt at the beginning of the year. Uh, just transition all around, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be pretty locked and loaded next year and should be competing towards the top of the Big East. So, you know, no shame in losing to them, um, especially since they play several games at Wells Fargo every year anyway. It's almost like a home away from home for them. I would imagine it would be mobbed if we were playing them uh, at Wells Fargo. It would feel like the old Richmond Coliseum days, probably. Yeah, I could, I could see that. We may not like it, but that that's probably what it would end up being, you know. And we've embraced that underdog role before, so. Maybe we should go to the most important topic of this podcast, which is the CAA name change. Ah. Just a uh, huge, huge news. <laughs> We're now the Coastal. Um, Coastal Athletic Association. I mean, does anyone care? <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's just, okay, fine. It doesn't really change anything. It seems like it's too close to the ACC, maybe, but it was just the reverse of ACC anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I generally just hate change as a rule. So when I saw it, I was like, ah. Uh. But ultimately, I don't really care. Some people will call it virtual virtue signaling, which maybe it is. I mean, whatever. I, I do think like Colonial, I'm, I'm thinking about Williamsburg and, you know, Virginia and all that. Most of those teams from this that, this conference are gone. I think William and Mary is the only one left. Um, so we're called the Colonial, but in that area of the country, we have really no teams left from that area other than William and Mary. So uh, for that reason, it's fine. Um, you know, they could have called it the I ninety five conference, but they have to pay people for new logos and right. It doesn't move the needle for me. I mean. I kind of like that we can still call it CAA and we don't have to learn like a brand new acronym or something. So yeah, that's fine. In that way, I'm I'm good with it. Anybody else have thoughts? I don't think that Colonial Athletic uh, was the barrier to success in any marketing. <laughs> Coastal is just so much more marketable. Come on, Polly. Yeah. You know, it's uh, just flows so much well, better. The video now. was nice. Seeing yeah. all that water, it was very very nice to see that video. <laughs> <laughs> but I will it say, sound tropical. Yeah, at the uh, at the CAA tournament in March or whenever it was, me and uh, Joe D'Antonio had a long conversation about marketing CAA, and it was very interesting. So we had a, I didn't know that they were going to change the name or anything like that, but he was very proud of their marketing efforts. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> sure he was. Yeah. Sure he was. I mean, another colonial, I mean, coastal news, um, the tournament, four more years in DC and also the women are joining down there. Um, I think we've got some kind of mixed thoughts on that in general. Um, 
I mean, I, I from the men's perspective, I, I like DC. For me, it's easy to get to. Um, I like the venue. DC's a good town to visit. You know, no problems there. The women, I mean, I think that's typically, you know, the what bigger conferences do is they kind of take it away from the home home arenas and, you know, put in a neutral venue. So I get it. Um, I mean, it's, it's still, I don't know how many people are going to stay for the entire time since they're kind of back to back. So that's kind of my only issue with it is, you know, are people going to take, you know, eight days or whatever it is to watch both games, both tournaments. I'm not so sure about that, but um, I don't know. What are your guys thoughts? Anthony, you want to jump in? Um, I don't mind it. Uh, I like DC more than, you know, other areas just because of its proximity. Um, certainly for the men, I know that it was down in Charleston for a while. You know, I never actually got down there. It was a little bit of a hike for me. Um, you know, I feel like aren't a ton of direct flights down there either. Um, I didn't mind it when it was in Baltimore. Uh, I thought that was a nice enough arena. Um, is that Baltimore Arena? It's a little bigger than Entertainment and Sports Arena in DC, right? It's bigger, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, and maybe maybe this is a little bit better sized for our conference than than Baltimore was. Um, so I mean, I don't hate it. I, I do worry a little bit, like you said, Bill, with you know the women being right off of that. You know, just in my own head, logistically, it's like. You're driving down there for the men, and it's, okay, now I'm going back home, and i got to go back down for the women. And, you know, I didn't mind the campus sites. I thought size-wise it was fine in most of the campus locations. It was really cool when Drexel hosted on two different occasions over this little run, and that was awesome, Um, you know, barring final games of each of those tournaments. But uh, be that as it may, um, but I didn't mind it. Paulie, I think you you were not as sure. Your yeah, reaction. I uh, I didn't love it, but I guess I don't really have too much of a frame of reference. Like I never been to a conference tournament elsewhere, so maybe it's just you know the the way it is. But I thought the past two years I've went, especially from a Drexel student's perspective, we had to bus down there every day. So like, kind of doing that was a little bit draining and you know dealing with school rules and everything you have to leave a certain amount of time in advance so it's a whole mess getting down there kind of sucks a lot of the joy out of it but also i would say that like the environment there was pretty dead and like to me at least when it's on a campus like you can get a little bit of life in there so I guess it's not really a big time thing to do, like a big time conference thing to do, but like it's really not an enjoyable product when you're just in like a very sanitized, quiet arena watching. I totally feel that. Um, you know, one thing about that arena that I don't love is that one of the sidelines basically has no seats. Um, it just kind of it, it hurts the ambiance of it. You know, you, you, you envision like a bowl where the crowd is around the entire court and it's like one whole side has like press row and then there's that little suite kind of up top, but there's like no fans over there. Um, and some some games, there may not be fans on the side with the seats either. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of don't love that about the layout of the building. Um, 
as far as the busing back and forth, that's something that I know we've talked about a bunch. Um, and, and that's not a conference thing. That, that, that's a Drexel thing. Back in the day when the tournament was in Richmond every year, um, you know, we would bust down, but we would stay there. You know, it was part of, you know, the DAC pack trip down. We got hotels for everybody. And, and, you know, it was, it actually really enhanced the trip because it was just camaraderie and, you know, you're, everybody's bonding and having fun and hanging out and you're there for the duration. Sometimes that duration was one night, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, certainly like my senior year in 2012, when we went to the final, we were there for like three nights and it was a blast. I mean, you know, it was in Richmond and we played VCU in the final. So the place was rocking obviously, but, um, yeah, I mean, totally get what you're saying about the busing back and forth every day of the tournament. Um, yeah, that needs to change. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't know what need. I don't know if it's a DAC pack thing. I don't know if it's an athletic department thing or a university thing going back and forth. Like you said, it's sap. It's going to sap all the joy right out of it, even though it's not as far as going to Richmond, being on a bus, however many hours, every single day, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, I, it, it's a, that's a hard sell for students unless you're like the most diehard of diehard. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. If that changed and you guys were able to go down there and, you know, you got hotels somewhere in DC and, you know, you could go out at night if you were of age or, or even maybe if you weren't, um, you know, <laughs> that, that's, that's something that, you know, made the trip. It was something you look forward to every year. Hard, much harder to look forward to something like that when you're just sitting on a bus for six hours a day and just watching two hours of basketball in between. I was just going to say, it, it's a Drexel thing. Dak Pack and Athletics both don't want it, but it's a Drexel Safax spending rules that are kind of putting us in that box. We, we got to talk to like Greg about that or something. Something needs to be done there because, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons we're here. Like, I, I think this, like those trips are probably why this podcast exists. Like, I mean, we were before Anthony's time too. So we're, we're down. I think the, was the second year we went Leon to the, to the tournament, yeah. we went to the finals. And again, it was just like probably one of the best memories I have from Drexel was, was that experience. I mean, you're, you're hanging out with all the fans. Um, you're watching the games, you're getting excited. There's, you know, there was prank wars going on. We were just hanging out all over the place. It was a lot of fun. And I, I, I can't imagine that if we had driven down, watched the game, bust back, and then <laughs> having to think about going back for the next game even. I don't know how that gets you excited. So, I mean, to Anthony's point, that, that has to change. I don't know who we have to talk to there, but something has to be done about that because I think you want to get kids excited about it. Um, even if you lose, stay the night enjoy yourselves down there and then come back. I mean, that that's going to go a long way to keeping fans. I mean, I, I, I seriously don't think this podcast exists if, if that trip, um, if those trips didn't exist. 100%. See if there's anything else that we wanted to cover. You want to mention Kishana with the Canada stuff? You, you know more about it than I do, honestly. Yeah, I mean, Kishana has been, uh, you know, representing Canada um, in, in two different events. A global jam, the basketball event, tournament. I think they, they brought home the silver medal. And then she could three by, uh, three on three basketball um, event, I think down in Chile, um, which I watched one game. It's very interesting style of basketball. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to take in any of these uh, three on three events. It's just very different. I don't know. 
it's a much shorter shot clock. It's super fast paced. Uh, I, I tried to tune into one game like 20 minutes in and it was already over. Uh, I mean, they're just like, they're rapid fire. Um, they won the last round of it. Uh, I mean, it's hard. It's kind of hard to follow these things. There doesn't seem to be a great website about it. Um, I was kind of following, you know, on Twitter and, uh, or X, whatever the hell it's called now. And then Instagram. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think she was performing well. It's good to see her student up for Canada. I mean, we know she can compete at a high level. Um, it'll be interesting with, I think the, is the summer Olympics coming up next year. Next year in Paris, yeah. I, I think it'll be interesting to see if, you know, she can make one of those teams for Canada. I, I would think she's got a shot, and we'll see how that goes. I mean, well, Drexel alumni shout out for uh, Keishana Washington. Uh, I think uh, got another one, right? Uh, Chris Donovan over here with uh, Philadelphia Union. I know it's a different sport, but fun to see another Drexel alum. Scored his first you know. goal. Yeah, yeah scores his first goal. Good stuff. Even the. Everybody only cares about Inter Miami now, probably anymore. You know, it's maybe we'll see uh, Donovan versus Messi, and we'll <laughs> be able. There to you go. That. I've seen I've seen Damian Lee versus LeBron, so we gotta we gotta get a <laughs> you know something on the soccer field too. But no, I think uh, I mean, Paulie, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I think you know gave us a lot of uh, good information, and uh, you know we look forward to seeing more from the Triangle. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I'm a big fan and uh, excited to keep on listening.